You guys ready to get into the Word of God? Come on, you guys ready? All right, I'm ready too. I'm excited this morning. A lot of stuff going on here at the well with the graduates. And man, how about the band? One hand, not for necessarily for the band, but for Jesus. Because he's lit them guys up. And I'm excited. They are playing their hearts out, but they're passionate about what they're doing too. And uh, we are lifting the name of Jesus as high as we possibly can. I'm excited this morning. We are starting a new book study, new series, however you want to call it. And we're going to go through the book of 1 Timothy. I talked to you a little while back and, and told you how I felt about going through books of the Bible and series and topical studies and that type of thing. And I'm all for topical stuff. That's what we've done up to this point. You know, we've talked about the Word of God. We've talked about relationships. We've talked about a lot of different things. But what happens is if you don't go through books of the Bible, and that's called exegetical preaching. If you don't just go straight through certain books of the Bible, at least at times, you tend to skip over topics that you're not real comfortable with. Comfortable with. Even if you're trying to preach the whole counsel of God, you know, there's, there's things that I'm geared for. There's things that are my passions. I mean, if you'll just listen to what I say, my wife's been with me for a long time now, and it seems like all preachers, and I think this is just the way it is, is that God has put a special message in my heart. It's the gospel message, but I have a special place in my heart for certain things, and so I tend to hit those things hard. I, I tend to hit them fast, and I tend to run that direction. So the good thing about it, preaching through books of the Bible is, is that unless you just blatantly skip over parts of the Bible, it forces you to preach the whole counsel of God. Does that make sense? And so when we get to it, we preach it. It's not my word, it's his word. It's not my ideas, it's his ideas. And not to say that topical can't be like that, because it can. I believe that we've preached exactly what God has felt like we should here the whole time. But this way, we cover all of our bases, and I feel like this is what God is leading us to do. Today we start the book of 1 Timothy, and this series title, this book title is called Fired Up. Fired Up a look at 1 Timothy. So we're going to go all the way through the book, not exactly sure how long it's going to take us. It'll take a little while, but it will be fun, it will be exciting, it will be challenging, and, and I guarantee you, you will learn a lot. You guys ready to look at 1 Timothy? Yeah, it's going to be good, it's going to be fun. Let's read uh, the first two verses in, in 1 Timothy. Today we're going to talk about the intro, we're going to talk about Paul. Timothy was a book written to, obviously, Timothy, and Timothy was a younger guy, and Paul was his mentor, Paul, uh, the guy who wrote uh, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, and several other books in the New Testament. Paul was an apostle of God, and he was sent by Jesus Christ to lead and train and to plant churches, actually. Paul was a church planter. He was a missionary who went to other uh, cities, other regions, and he planted churches. He put men in place so that they would lead the people of God and that they would build the kingdom of heaven being used by Jesus Christ to do so. Timothy was a younger guy, and this book was written around 62 A.D., which is about roughly 30 years or so um, after the death of Christ, or, you know, well, 60 years after the death of Christ. And we're looking at this a little bit longer after Jesus had died and he had raised from the dead and, and he had been sent, Paul had been sent by him. Paul had went on several missionary journeys and he was setting this guy, Timothy, up in, in Ephesus, which was a city, and he was putting him in charge of this church and he was saying, this is what I want you to do here. I want you to put people in place. I want you to correct false doctrine. I want you to correct other people. I want you to encourage. And so this is what we're looking at in the book of 1 Timothy. 
As we get into the book, we'll pull out several things as we go through in order to help you to step up and be the person that God is calling you to be. Because what we don't need to do is just get into the habit of church. Church is a hobby to me. is slam silly. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. There's a lot of other hobbies that I could have that uh, are, are fun or if this is just a hobby to me. But church is a life. Jesus Christ is a life. Something that transforms you. And something where we come in here and it leads us to a place of, of awe and worship and passion. That we live that passion out throughout the week. And it is our life. It's not a part of our life. But it is our life. And we're transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That makes sense to me. And so what we need to do is step back from having two distinct lives, one on Sunday morning and one throughout the week, and we need to be transformed by Jesus Christ so that we may shine like Jesus, therefore reaching into our communities, reaching into our families, reaching into the places that no one else can reach with the gospel and being used by God to bring redemption to those around us. Does that sound good? This is called revival. This is called discipleship. And let's not do church as a hobby. Let's let our light shine for Jesus Christ every day, every second that we breathe. This is what life is. Everything else is a joke. Church is a hobby, is a joke. And that's where I stand. It's a joke. So let's not do church as a hobby. Let's press into Jesus Christ and make him our life. That's where things get done. Let me pray before we get into the scriptures. Jesus, I pray I feel your power here today. I feel the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would all walk in that power, that we would let down our guard, that we would stand in fear, fearful respect of you, that we would put aside our selfish ambition, that we would lay aside all of our, um, our ideas and our agendas, and that we would come to the throne with our hands held high, with our heads down low so that we might receive power and boldness so then in your glory in your presence in your righteousness in your power in your transformation in your redemption we might stand with our heads held high knowing that it's not about us but it's about you i pray that the power of the holy spirit would fall in this place today that people would be revived that people would be empowered that people would be bold that they would go out in our community and reclaim in the name of jesus christ all that has been taken from us God, this is our call. This is our command. We will not stay still. We will not do church as a hobby. We will not play games, but we will live life. We will challenge people. We will love people. We will cry with people. We will laugh with people. And we will love people and build relationships with them. This is what we're called to do. And this is what we're proclaiming this morning. You would do inside of us so that it might be a possibility. I pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. The only name that gets stuff done in Jesus name amen first Timothy chapter 1 verse 1 Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of our God and Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope to Timothy my true child in the faith grace mercy and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord this is the introduction to Paul's letter to Timothy and the introduction here contains a lot of material that we can actually use in our lives in how we are to interact with and be in relationship with those that are around us. Today's sermon is entitled, Leading Leaders. Leading Leaders. Because I have a firm belief, and it is my conviction, that a part of the problem of a lot of churches is, is that they are, they are afraid, they see it as a risk, to raise up a group of leaders that may replace them one day. 
They are afraid of change. They're afraid of, 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 of molding their, their, the means by which they proclaim. They're afraid of changing the way that they look. They're afraid of changing anything about it because they're not comfortable with it, and this next generation is. But the problem with that is, is that it is death. You cannot lead forever. I cannot lead forever. If you do not bring these, these kids, these young men, even the older men who are spiritually young, if you do not enter into a relationship with them to bring them a, a, to a place of leadership, of, of power through Jesus Christ, of confidence, of boldness, then you sever your means of growth in life, and you die. Does that make sense? You see, the problem is, is that we want to keep things how we are. Why? Because that's what we're good at. We want to keep things like we have always known them to be, because that's what we've known. Now, let me make a clarification. I'm not talking about doctrine. You see, the Word of God is eternal. It lapses and is transcendent over all of culture, all of time, all nations, all times, all peoples, all regions. It doesn't matter. It is absolutely transcendent. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the language that I use to speak with you. I'm talking about the movements I use to interact with you. I'm talking about the way that I bring you into relationship with me and I help you to see my relationship with the Father, with Jesus Christ, so that I can help you develop this relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, we want to keep people under us. I ain't got my first point yet, but that's good stuff. We want to keep people under us, and we refuse to take them out from under us, put them underneath Jesus Christ, because they might get higher than we are. Jesus Christ said what? The first will be last, and the last will be First, those who seek to gain their life will lose it, but those who lose their life on my sake, for my name's sake, they will be the ones that gain it. Are you scared of not being as prominent? Are you scared of putting your own selfish ambitions and your own desires and your own needs in front of someone else because they might be happy and you might not be? I'm telling you this, is that our culture has it backward and they've lied to us. It's the whole thing about the ministry day here at the church. See, what you may hear coming out of my mouth is that come and work at the well. But what I'm telling you is, is that if you, will, if you will give yourself over, if you will lay down your life at the foot of the cross and allow Jesus Christ to use you, it will be your blessing, not ours. We will be blessed by you being here, but the, but the, the blessing will be, by far be yours. To be used by God is to be fulfilled and to have your purpose found. And that is the whole, <sighs> Jesus Christ is looking to use you. Be used by God. Be used by God. Our first point, <laughs> our first point, only two, so take heart. And I did turn the AC on for you. Everybody say Amen. <laughs> It was pretty quick, too. It cooled down pretty quick because I saw a Wesley up here and it's like, you got to turn the air on. Please. <laughs> when you see him doing like this. <sighs> but I, I could feel it because I was up here doing announcements and that's why I took off. I went and turned the air on. So we'll try to have it on for you a little quicker next time. 
We're going to get into the, the word here. The first point today is, if you'll pull it from the scriptures, uh, pick your Bibles back up. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Point number one is, you are commanded to lead. You are commanded to lead. You see, we have a slogan that we've used. Heather and I have done the couple Sunday school class, last ministry, you know, if there was some stuff to do like that. In our last church, we did it for several years. And we led the young couples, and we tried to, tried to show them stuff out of the Bible. We had a slogan in that classroom. And the slogan was, well, we actually had two. One was, live life on purpose. Live life on purpose. How many of us actually just stroll through life going wherever the tide goes? We're like a tumbleweed blown in the wind. We really have no idea where we're going, what we're doing, what our plan is, where we're headed, what the mission is. We're just doing whatever comes our way, and, and whatever happens, happens. That's just the way it is. We had a slogan. It was live life on purpose. We just bled that right over into the well because we want to live life on purpose. Meaning, purpose, drive. I know where I'm going. This is where I'm going. Sometimes I lose sight. That's why I stay in the Word of God. That's why I stay in fellowship with my friends. That's why I stay accountable to my brothers and my sisters. But we are going a certain place because we are following one person to one destination, and that is the glory of Jesus Christ. We live life on purpose. We don't just let it pass us by. We aren't just blown left, blown right. We are marching straight forward. That's the text here. Paul, an apostle of Christ, by command of God his Savior and Jesus Christ his hope. You see, we are commanded to lead. And while we all are commanded to lead, we are all sent by Jesus Christ to go, baptize, disciple, teach. I put a strong emphasis on the men here today. Because men, you are commanded to lead. You are commanded to lead your wives. You are commanded to lead your, lead your children. You are commanded to lead those around you who would submit to your authority. And this is not easy. You see, some men would say, well, they're just not following. Don't wait on them to follow. Lead. Lead. You see, there's a lot of stupid young men. There are. That's okay. You can laugh. Young men are kind of stupid. All of them. Me too. It's the way it is. I heard one lady say, amen. But you see, God has a purpose for them. He has placed inside of them the ability, if it is caressed and shaped and molded and brought into fulfillment, they have the potential to lead, to be warriors, to be men out in front, willing to sacrifice themselves, selfless, with integrity, with discipline, with purpose, and they will move, and they will go. And not only will they lead their families, if you'll pour into them, but they will also reach into the lives of those around them, and it will be a snowball effect. But what it takes is you to step outside of your comfort zone, outside of the things that you like to do, and look at that young man and say, son, come here. Because it's not his fault that he doesn't know how to do life. I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I'm not sure exactly who it was, but we get, we get really hard on, and I'm, I'm guilty too, we get hard on people, on young men especially, because they're not doing what they need to be doing. 
But that does no good if you just point out their flaws, but don't step in and say, now let me show you the right way. Not because I'm perfect, not because I figured it out, but because I know that this is the way I'm going, and I'm trying to fight to go this way too. Get in behind me, and we'll go this way. I'm in behind Jesus. Now, I stumble and fall on my face too, because older men are stupid sometimes. <laughs> Amen. But they say, get in behind me, not because I'm better than you, but because I've got a purpose here. God's called me to lead you. Are you doing that? This is practical stuff right here. Paul, an apostle, by command of God. You are commanded by God to lead. And some of you would say, but I'm not in a place that I could lead. I don't have the knowledge of the scriptures. I'm a brand new baby Christian myself. I have sin in my life. I'm not a very good husband. And to some of that I would say, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Then you find somebody to follow. You find somebody to follow. And once you have been molded by God to step into that place of repentance, of integrity, of getting into your Bible, and you don't have to be a theologian. That's not what I'm saying. You've just got to have a passion for Jesus and a compassion for other people. Pressing in towards Jesus Christ. And once he, and it, it, this is the thing about Jesus Christ, and, I, and I've come back to this all the time. What I, can, what I can definitely say about Jesus is Jesus is not looking for you to figure it out. He's looking for you to fall in his lap. He's not looking for you to figure it out and cross all your T's and dot all your I's. He's looking for you to fall in behind him and march behind him. You see, he's the one cutting the path. I'm not telling you, you need to figure it out, step up, and help him figure it out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to press into Jesus. You need to give your life over to Jesus. You need to lay it down. And, and you know what I'm saying. I don't have to explain. You know what I'm saying. You know if you love money more, sex more, drugs more, alcohol more, success more, fame more. It doesn't matter. You know if you love stuff other than Jesus more. You know that. What I'm saying is, and God is saying it to your heart right now, and he's thumping you in the heart. That's you. That's you. That's you. That's you. That's you. Jesus Christ is calling you to step out and step in a relationship with him so that you can reach out and pull some of these young men into that relationship as well. And I see it happening as well. One's right here. Man right there. Jeremy Simmons. Proud as I can be of him. Is he still fighting life's battles? Every day. But is he loving Jesus like he never has before? Every day. Ty Walter's in the room somewhere. Young man, gave his life to Jesus Christ the other day. There he is right there. Gave his life to, stand up, Ty. Everybody give Ty a hand. <laughs> Told Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's what God is doing. And I told Ty, I can't do this with everybody, but I told Ty, I will walk with you. I will talk with you. In the dark of the night, I will fight with you. On our knees, we'll fight. We're doing that. He's doing doggone good. And I just said doggone good. All over this sanctuary, that's happening. All over this sanctuary, that's happening. And never before have some of these guys been in church. Never before have they thought that they would be in church. But by God's will, by God's grace, by the power of Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel, they're here. And they're being changed by God. And some of them need for you to step into their lives and lead them, 
help them, show them. Some of them need you to come in and, and fall in behind them. You see, the second sub-point here is, is that there's a way that you lead, there is a way that Paul leads, there is a way that you lead which commands a following. There is a way that you can come into leadership that wouldn't just be somebody standing on a street corner somewhere saying, hey, listen to me, listen to me, over here, listen to me. You see, I'm not telling you to lead with your words. And I'm not knocking all street preaching. That's fine if that's what you want to do. Not my thing, but if that's what you want to do, that's cool, whatever. But what I'm saying is, you cannot stand 40 feet away from someone driving by in the car and say, you love Jesus! Slow down and repent! Okay, maybe. God can do that if he wants. That's fine. But what I'm telling you is, is that there is a way to lead, and that way to lead is, number one, you are to lead out of fear. You say, what? Lead out of fear? In the Bible, it says that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And this type of fear is like a, and a lot of people want to dismiss it altogether like, no, you shouldn't be afraid of God in that way. It's more of a fearful respect. I agree with that. But do you know why you should fearfully respect God? Because he will consume you if you don't. So should you kind of have a little bit of that shake and fear too? You know the tin man? <laughs> the cowardly lion? I would turn back if I were you. <laughs> oh. What this means is, and, and I get that, you say, where does he pull that from? This word command here in verse 1, this word command is like a, it's like a two-fold word. It's, it's a Greek word that's made up of two different words. And the word here, it has two different connotations. It has a con connotation of like a soldier receiving a command which he is to obey and go forward. Like that type of command. But the other is a stern warning. That if you do not step into this, something terrible is going to happen. And this is exactly what I say to you. I'm not trying to scare you. You can do whatever God is calling you. You can do whatever you choose to do, whatever. But what I'm telling you is, is that Jesus Christ is the baddest man that's ever touched the face of the earth. He was the God man. He will not be denied. He will not be turned away from. He crushes his enemies beneath his feet in the wine press of his wrath. No one will get away. No one will flee. No one is fast enough. If you, don't, if you are not with him, you are against him. And all who are against him will be crushed in the end. And I say from that, if you are not with him, you should be afraid. Jesus is not to be toyed with. He is not a part-time hobby. He is not a little guy. He is not a pinata, which you hit with the Bible to get what you need. He is king. And you will bow down or you will be across the line. Is that straightforward enough? Jesus is king. Now, the other side of that word is it is a, a passionate drive to obey. To, not because... You see, there's two ways that I can interact with my son, okay, when he does something. I can say, boy, I'm about to tear your tail up in about five seconds. 
five, four, three, two. And he's like, <laughs> but you see, that's just the straight fear. That's just the straight fear. And that really gets me no farther down the road with him. It really doesn't. He'll do that particular thing, but that's a behavioral change. does nothing to affect the heart. As, as a matter of fact, it kind of puts stuff in between us. Now, do I do that sometimes? Yeah. You know, I, as I lead my sons, and I'm trying to do a good job, but I'm human, and I'm weak, and I get frustrated sometimes. And I think it was last night I looked at my wife, and I was like, is it bad that at bedtime I'm like, yes. <laughs> Nap time. But as I leave my son, you know, I can, I can use that kind of fear, you know, like I'm going to karate chop you if you don't do what I say right now. Or I can pull him to the side and I can, and I can be passionate with him and I can interact with him in a way that instills, that instills fearful respect. Meaning that he knows that I love him, I'm over him, I'm bigger than him, I can protect him. If he's not in fellowship with me, then he's more vulnerable. Does that make sense? If he gets out into the yard, if I'm not right beside him, if he gets out into the road, if he gets out in public, if we're in a, if we're in a big store or whatever, and he gets lost from me, he's way more vulnerable. But if I'm right there with him and he knows I'm with him, then there's a fearful respect. But it's, it's not one that he would be fearful of me, but that he would be drawn into me because of my power. Because of my power. With respect to him, at least. You see, and this is how we are with God. You see, to my son, I'm ginormous, and I can pick him up with one hand, <laughs> you know. But he also thinks I can do that to anybody. <laughs> but Jeremy's like, yeah, try that with me. <laughs> you see, to Titus, you know, I, he lifts weights with me sometimes, and he'll be like, how much weight is that? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, other guys lift us all the time, you know. But to him, <laughs> he grabs the barbell, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, wow. You see, the same thing is true with God. If you get at the feet of God and you look up at him, and you look up and you stand in awe and you're thinking, oh, wow. You understand that if, the, if this mountain of God, if it fell, it would crush you like a bug. It wouldn't even slow down. It'd be like, and they'd just keep on going. But what if that was your mountain? What if that was your king? What if that was your power? What if that was your source? What if that was your your boldness, then yeah, you know it could crush you, but you stand and you say, everybody else behind you, what? What? And you'll do anything. It doesn't matter. When God calls, when the king commands, you're like, yes, Lord. You know, I've got this security shirt on for a reason. One, I'm the auditorium security, so if y'all got a problem, no, I'm just kidding. The reason is it's funny to see how you can empower a man by leading, leading him into what God has called him to. We haven't filled up all of the ministries at the church yet. Got a lot of people serving. It's hard to do all of this. We need more help. But I want to I tell you, we said, we're going to start a security team. We're going to start a security team. We're going to post two guys, one in the lobby and one outside, just to make sure everything's cool, make sure nobody's going back to our um, secure child check-in. We'll do that for the safety of your children and safety of you. Nothing crazy going on here. We've got your back. But when I said that, I had like 18 guys like, man, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll, can I have one of those shirts? <laughs> you get the smallest guy out there and he's like, <laughs> what? 
Yeah, you see the shirt? Just try it. Try it. You give somebody authority, you give somebody power, you can lead them in a place of boldness. And so we lead, you lead out of fear and respect, but also that second one, which I was just talking about, you lead out of a place of pleasure and satisfaction. You see, a lot of you won't lead because you're not following yet. A lot of you may see the command, and you fear maybe, but you don't have that respect. You don't have that awe. You're not standing before God going, I'll do whatever you want me to, King. I'll die for you. You see, a lot of us have the picture of Jesus as, you know that picture. You've seen it a million times in other places. He's got long, flowing hair. It's really nice. He's usually got a lavender gown on, really soft, lily-white skin. And he's like, would you follow me? That's not Jesus. A man, and I speak from a man's perspective, looks at that picture and says, I could take that guy. I can't follow somebody I can take. When Revelation 19, just go read it, he's coming with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth, crushing his enemies. On his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords, and it's on his robe as well. You can follow this guy. You can follow this guy. And he's calling you not to just follow him in a way that would make you beat down all the time, but in a way that would empower you. It would empower you. You lead out of pleasure and satisfaction. Some of you aren't leading because it does nothing for you, but it does nothing for you because you're not following the way you should be following. You step into that role with Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Let's move on. We've got to move on. Number two is you are desperate for a disciple and a mentor. We won't spend long here. We've already, we've already looked at this a little bit. The, the second verse says, To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and, and, and Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, you are desperate for a disciple and a mentor. And I, I tell people this all the time. You see, <clears throat> I own JV Trees, and we, we, it's a little small company, and and I've got uh, three or four guys that work for me, um, and, and they're, they oftentimes go to work without me, but um, I, I, when I go to work, I'll have one of them ride with me all the time. And because what I know is, is that I've got a captive audience. Ask any of them. If you're riding with me, we're talking about Jesus, okay? I'm not cramming Jesus down anybody's throat. I try not to do that. But we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about life. We're talking about where are you? And you know what I found is, is that most of the guys, some of them have worked for uh, me for a while now, some of them are here. But what I found is a lot of the new guys that come, they think that's really weird. Not that I would talk to them about Jesus, but that I would be, I would be curious and, and interested in what's going on in their life. Like I wonder if they've ever had anybody sit down and say, so what's happening in your life right now? How's it going? You know, you having, you having a hard time? What, what's your victories? What's your victories? And what I find is they just fall into that. This guy actually cares. You know, the first day they're like, I'm fine, man. <laughs> but once you start to build that relationship, they start opening up, and nobody's asking them these questions. Nobody's building relationships with them. Nobody's getting into them. You see, you are desperate for a disciple or a mentor. This is how you were built. 
This is how you were made. And for those of you who have a good relationship with Jesus, those of you who have a good relationship with your wife, those of you who are in a leadership position, I would say that you need to find you a disciple so that you can pour into them because you are not complete until you do so. You see, God is commanding and he made you so that you could pour into other people. And by pouring into other people, you would be filled up yourself. You need to be empowered and used by God in order to come into a place of fulfillment yourself. You need to do that. I'm not, it's not for me, it's for you. It's not, for, it's not even so much for that other person, though it is. It's for you. This is, the, this is the plan that God has for you to get you into that next step, to get you into that next step of fulfillment and being used by God. And there are two ways that we lead. We lead out of fear and respect, respectful fear. We lead out of pleasure slash satisfaction, but we lead through, if you want to be a good leader, we lead through passion. We lead through passion. And we've already hit on this a little bit, but I can't stress enough to you is that Jesus Christ is not a hobby. Jesus Christ is not a hobby. And if you're wondering, well, I hear what you're saying, Brandon. I hear what's going out. Are you listening to me right now? This is an important part of the service. I hear what you are saying, Brandon, but I'm not feeling, I'm not seeing this growth in my life. I like what you're saying, actually. It sounds good to me as it goes out, but at some reason, it's not being made effective in my life. And I would say very practically to you, what steps are you taking to see and be passionate about Jesus Christ? You see, I know that I say this all the time, but for some reason, they are hard scales, walls built up around our hearts, and around our minds. And there are the, the enemy has, has set himself up. And he is defending your heart. The walls of your heart. Because he's got a hold on it. And what I'm saying to you is. Is that be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray over you. That the walls would crumble. That the scales would fall from your eyes. That you would see Jesus Christ today. That you would be changed by Jesus today. No longer would it be a place that you go on Sunday. No longer would it be a thing that you've heard from your family. But it would be a person who you have heard calling your name. Who you have saw with your own eyes. Who have, you, you have felt. And he has changed you forever. And once you experience this change, I'm telling you, once you see the king on his stallion leading the army, you will say, where do you want me, God? Not because you have to, but because you got to. Paul says, Paul was the preacher. Paul says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. One of the prophets said, if I stop preaching, it's, it's burning me up inside. It's like a fire in my bones. It's got to get out. It's the passion within inside of you, within you, inside of you. Or if you're there and you're looking at me like, what is he talking about? Then you need to get on your face before God because you've not seen him. You've not seen him. Not clearly. Get on your face. Chase after him ferociously. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We'll take it by force. Go after Jesus. 
passionately. And once Jesus Christ starts to work in your life, you're consumed with that passion. We lead through compassion. And this is looking at someone else and feeling their pain, feeling their struggle. And once this passion is set up inside of you and you see someone else who is hurting and is in pain, Nate, you can come on up. As you, as you see that, then you enter into that, you walk into that, you step into that, and the passion that you have for Jesus Christ bleeds over and into everyone around you so that you no longer have to beat yourself to death trying to get yourself to do what you need to do. It is a passion to be compassionate. And you fall into this leadership, and you will have people coming to you saying, Man, I'm tore up. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. What do I do? What do I do? Calling you up, can you meet with me? I want to be like you. I want to be like you. I want to lead my family. I want to be a good man. I've got people coming up to me. I'm stuck in this rut of sin. What do I do? And you say, you see, so many times as parents we say, do as I say, not as I do. It's junk. If you say that to your kids, stop. That's a coward's way out. And if I just called you out, sorry, but that's the way it is. Don't look at your kids and say, do as I say, not as I do. That's a cop out. Build your integrity. Be changed by Jesus Christ. Step into the word of God. Become a man. And you will not be perfect. But as Jesus works in your life, you will be able to look at your kids and you say, son, you follow me as I follow Christ. Woo! Son, you follow me as I follow Christ. And some of you need to come and you need to follow me. You need to follow Emmanuel. You need to follow John. You need to follow Mark. Not because we know exactly where we're going, but because we're following the king. And what we're looking to do is to help you to branch off over here. And you, follow, you lead over there. We're looking to lead leaders. I don't need a, a follower for the rest of my life. I'm not the one worthy of following. I need you to fall in behind me only so that you can see the one in front of me. And that you can break off and you follow Jesus and lead people to follow Jesus. That lead people to follow Jesus. And as we get to this gospel, you say, what are you telling me to do? What are you telling me to do, God? Are you telling me to, to just man up? Can you bring these lights down a little bit? Are you telling me just to man up? You say, I could stand up here and I could just say, now you get your junk together. You step, quit sinning right now. Just stop it. People looking at you. But that would be the same thing as if I looked at Titus and said, boy, oh, Bill. That'd be a behavioral modification. Just changing some things that you do. But I want to show you from the gospel that it's not some things that you do. It's who you're following. And as, and as I proclaim that you are to lead leaders, lead those into a place of leadership, I say that by saying this, fall in behind Jesus. Get on your face before Jesus. And you say, we don't know the way. John chapter 14, Thomas said, how are we going, where are you going? How can we find the way if we, don't, if we don't know the way? Where are you going? And Jesus said, 
have you been with me this long? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And none can come to the Father but by me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus Christ was the one who came. Jesus Christ is the one who is in front. Jesus Christ is the one who is powerful enough to carve out your life for you. Jesus will turn you into a leader. Jesus will bring you into a place where other people desire to be like you, not because you're you, but because you are the you that Jesus Christ has made. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and where I go, you can go. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Philip said, show us the Father, Lord. Explain what you're talking about. Show us the Father, Lord, and then we'll know. Jesus looked at him and said, Philip, if you've been with me so long and you don't know that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. You see, today, I'm calling you to lead leaders. To lead leaders. Live life on purpose. But the way that you do that is hear my voice. The way that you do this is to follow Jesus. And he has came before you. He has came to the earth. And he has taken on himself the sin of the world. He's the one that came to you. And he said, how's life? And he cries out right now through the voice of his, of his preacher. How is life? How is life? Where are you at? I'm here. I'm strong. I'm willing. And I am able to lead you to the place of promise, to lead you to a place of fulfillment. Will you let go? Will you turn from where you are now and fall in behind me so that I can not only lead you to a place of promise, but lift you up to be a leader of those who are looking for the place of promise? It's Jesus, friends. And he's telling you right now, today is the day that I make a man out of you. Today is the day that I make a woman of integrity out of you. Today is the day that I make a daddy out of you that is worthy of following. To give you the right to look at your child and say, do not, do not go astray, but you follow me. Do as I do. Do as I do. Who in the place would give their self to Jesus today? It's not about following a bunch of rules. It is about being transformed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as we all stand to our feet, I cry out to you with everything that is in me, follow the King. Follow the King. Our care team will be down front. And as Paul says, that I am, a, I am an apostle by the command of God. By the command of God. God is commanding you and calling you through his saving grace and the hope that is in Jesus Christ. Come now. Don't hold on. Maybe you're already saved. Maybe so. Give your life to God. Ask Jesus to be your God like Ty Walter did. And you lead. Come now. I'm here. So are these. The power of redemption. It's a power like no other. It's a power that brings lightness to the dark. It's a power that breaks chains. It's about being redeemed. Seems like 
you, God, that we're redeemed, Lord. We thank you for the power, for, the, for being the size of a mountain, God, 
for wielding that sword, Lord, for giving us something that we can stand on and stand behind. You are our shield, our protector, our comforter in our time of need, God. You're everything that we need. Everything. God, we love you. And we just lift up your mighty name, the mighty name of Jesus, the one and only God. Amen.